You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. What's your prediction for the fight? Prediction? Yes, prediction. There you heard it, ladies and gentlemen, straight from the championship's champion's mouth. The prediction for tonight's fight is pain, as Clubber Lang will be taking on the challenger, Rocky Balboa. Bing, 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 bing. That's the bell for yeah. A's Revisited. <laughs> We're back. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. With me, as always, in my, is my corner man, my cut man, my Mickey. Yes, I am. So, uh, we do go on the podcast so far, Mick, and he, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when did, when did Mickey become the boxes. dude from uh, Jimbo's friend from South Park? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, everybody. Also, actually mic'd up on this episode and not a whisper in the distance. Bullshit detector, Autumn Harris. Did you say the championship champion? I said, yes, thank you. Yes, I always like stumble over my words until I get rolling. Because we don't warm up here. We just go. There's no editing. This is all real. We're a real podcast. Not like those fake podcasts. Mmm. Totally real. I'm real. I know I'm real. I hope you're real. Are you? Is any of this real? Welcome to Life Talks with Trey Harris. Is Today's it real? existential argument reality, fact, or fiction. But anyway. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, we were in. <laughs> what happened? Is anything real? We are in the meditation cave. <laughs> This is a safe place where we can talk about feelings. Now we will begin to open our chakras. Hum. Enough of that. Right. We already lost like, like three of our four <laughs> listeners. But anyway, episode 104. Of course, I'm not counting like we established before all the different countdown. I mean, uh, battle royales as individual episodes for these numbering purposes. But this is the 104th episode that didn't involve a character showdown and it is rocky three with of course my mic stolen mm-hmm. okay just making sure kind of cut it off <laughs> don't want to lose you know don't want to be spewing all this knowledge and have nothing going but uh interesting fact that like i didn't realize until we decided to do this after our winner was crowned our 100 character showdown of course being john rambo himself and now right. we are celebrating the actor, the man behind Rambo, Sylvester Stallone, by reviewing Rocky movies instead of Rambo First Blood. But don't worry, it's coming after two more episodes to round out Stallone month. But anyway, uh, there were actually only two Rockies in the 80s, which of course the first one was I believe 76, the sequel I want to say was maybe 78, 79, and then uh, Rocky Three ended up in 82. Uh, we're just double checking the dates. But uh, for some reason, I always knew the first one was in the 70s, but I, I thought the second one was also in the in the 80s. Uh, yeah, Rocky number Rocky won 76. Uh, of course, won Best Picture. Huge, huge movie for the time. And of course, it's one of those movies in the, uh, you know, in culture. It's a culture thing now. And Rocky 2 was in 79 as well. Uh, so Rocky 3 <coughs> was the first 80s Rocky. And it pretty much, Rocky 1, straight up drama. Uh, one of the best films ever made, in my opinion. Definitely the best sports movie ever made. It's, to still watch it, and when my wife's not looking, I will wipe a tear from my eye at the end. <laughs> uh, 
Rocky two, and and honestly, when I watched rewatched all of them for this for the next two episodes, with the exception of five, because five is garbage. I saw it once when it came out. I will never watch it again. I remember it being total garbage. So, no, enough said about number five. It's the it's the crystal skull of the Rockies. But uh, anyway, <laughs> and I honestly don't believe that I've actually even seen Rocky two until recently because as I was watching it, I didn't remember anything about it except the fight at the end. And the only reason I think I remember the fight at the end was because. In every Rocky, for the first 10 minutes, they showed the last 10 minutes of the previous one. Oh. So, uh, quick recap story-wise before we get into Rocky 3. Rocky 1, he's just a bum enforcing for a uh, loan shark. Gets, a, one, gets picked by Apollo Creed to fight for, the ti- uh, for an exhibition bout with the world heavyweight champion. No one's ever gone 15 rounds with Apollo, but Rocky does it. That's the whole message of the movie. He, all he wanted to do was go the distance, and he went the distance. And, of course, at the end of the first Rocky... Apollo face all busted up. Ain't gonna be no rematch. And then Rocky says, "I don't want one." Three years later, Rocky two. <laughs> uh, now Rocky two was actually written and directed by Stallone, uh, which he wrote the first one as well. Uh, but this isn't seventies revisit, so we're not gonna go into the backstory on that. But Rocky two starts off them going to the hospital from the first one, and already the pre- you know it's uh, Stallone wrote the first one very autobiographically about the struggles of trying to succeed in Hollywood, but he adapted it you know more so with boxing obviously and part two was basically written for his not fallout but him getting success with rocky and then dealing with it which is what rocky does in part two he spends all his money basically going broke can't make ends meet can't get any jobs and apollo is facing the criticism of oh he just let rocky beat him you know blah 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 nobody could do that to it if he was as good of a champ as he says he was so they have the rematch rocky two rocky wins the championship becomes the world heavyweight champion thus setting the stage for rocky three which was released May 28th, 1982. I was two years old. Uh, IMDb gives it a 6.7. Rotten Tomatoes, 61%. 74% audience. Very high ratings all across the board. Hmm. Budget was $17 million estimated. Opened at 16. Grossed domestically 125. Worldwide, $270 million and another $66.2 million in rentals alone. So, huge block. Part 3, still a huge blockbuster. Huge moneymaker. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Rocky Three, like Part Two, was also directed and written by Stallone. Of course, recently he directed Rocky Balboa, Rocky Two. I mean, uh, Rocky Two, Rocky, Rocky uh, Balboa, Rambo, uh, Expendables. Of course, the first one, uh, and working on sequels to uh, yet another sequel to Rocky and Rambo, which we'll talk about next episode more, a little more in depth. Uh, of course, he starred as the title character Rocky Balboa. Of course, uh, acting wise, First Blood, Nighthawks, Cobra, Tango, and Cash, uh, and then. The legendary Burgess Meredith as Mickey, are the heart of these films. Uh, of course, oh. he was in The Sentinel and also more famously from the 60s Batman television show uh, as The Penguin. A little more family-friendly version than the Danny DeVito from Batman Returns. Uh, Carl hmm. Weathers, uh, of course, the legendary Apollo Creed. Uh, of course, he was also uh, Dylan in Predator, and, uh, as well as Action Jackson in the 80s action classic. Uh, Burt Young was Paulie. He pretty much mainly did uh, every Rocky. And also uh, Once Upon a Time in America. Uh, Talia Shire. Uh, at this point in the series, quite lovely Adrian. Of course, mainly from also she was in every Rocky except Balboa. Spoiler alert, she's dead. And also The Godfather 1 through 3 because she's related to Francis Ford Coppola. And that's why she was in the pretty much got like legs uh, up in acting. Great job. Pretty much. And in the feature film television, uh, excuse me, television, feature film debut. Mr. T as Clubber Lang, of course, the A-Team, and pop culture, cartoons, and 
whole bunch of mama loving. Uh, and also, uh, I be- also believe in his feature film debut, Hulk Hogan as Thunderlips. Of course, from such classics as Suburban Commando and Mr. Nanny. And that pretty much rounds out the notable cast there. Uh, pretty much this film... Uh, one thing I like about the, every Rocky is they kept a tradition of the same actors until the, their characters died. Which, starting with this one, is where you have the first death of a character. Uh, spoiler alert, Mickey dies. Uh, which... Uh, Still a very good scene in the film. Uh, even though each rock, especially three and four, and then even up to five, that kind of the roughly the middle of the film of this series is really where they get kind of more action movie-ish, especially with this one. Uh, but of course, in this film, Rocky's the champion. They, they have, you have your opening montage where it shows him beating everybody. He's the champion. But then they also have the montage of Mr. T beating the shit out of everybody else too, saying he's the number one contender. But Rocky's too afraid to face him or whatever. And then... You know, Mr. T, you know, insults his wife. So then Rocky's, oh, that's it. Rocky's going to fight him. Rocky loses in the third round. The third round Rocky goes down. Of course, he's fighting because Mickey's in the back dying. He doesn't know what's going on. He's not there mentally. So then with Mickey gone and Clubber Lang being the champion, Rocky, what's Rocky got to do, you know? He's got to team up with Apollo Creed. How awesome is that? He teams up with the villain from the first two films. You know, he's not really a villain. Right. But uh, the antagonist of the first two becomes, the, you know, in the traditional Joseph Campbell hero's journey, the once adversary becomes the teacher to help the hero progress on his journey. And, and thankfully, through Apollo's, shall we say, urban or Californian training techniques, Rocky learns his fancy footwork and the ability to run in the sand and jump and frolic in waves. And mm-hmm. hug. And hug. Dramatically with right. Apollo, which gives him the strength to, in the end, reclaim the heavyweight title and beat Clubber Lang, who you never see again in the rest of the series. He just goes away. Rocky gets all these rematches, and Clubber Lang just, eh, I'm done. He's just defeated. Yeah. He's like, I can't fight no more. Balboa, kick my ass too hard. <laughs> but that's roughly the synopsis. Of course, let's be honest, every Rocky movie is practically the same, but it's more so something happens in his life, and he's dealing with that, and he resolves it in the ring. It's kind of basically what all these films are. Everything. Exactly. <laughs> it's the 80s. There is no truer decade about that than this, especially as we'll get to next week, because Rocky IV is the greatest 80s movie <laughs> of all time, which we'll talk about next week, because of the symbolism. But anyway, uh, your, what's your familiarity with the Rocky series, Jesse? Most recent one I saw was four. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, four. Uh, but, I mean, have you seen most of them pretty much? Or? I haven't seen the newest stuff. You never saw Balboa? Mm-mm. Well, sorry to spoil it for you, but Adrian's dead. But it starts, it starts off with him <laughs> sitting at that. a grave. So no real spoiler there. But Balboa is very good. But we'll talk about that series wrap-up next episode. Autumn, I know you've seen all of them except five because I didn't <coughs> make you watch five. What's your general impression of this series? Um, well, like you said, it is the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, violence solves everything. Pretty much. That's sort of a theme in Stallone's films, it seems. Yeah, yeah. All these action movies where violence is so prevalent. Um, this must be the first one where steroids became a big deal because him and Creed are both super buff in this one, more so than they were in the first or the second one. Glad Um, you noticed that. I didn't pay any attention. Well, yeah, because it's the 80s. You know, all the 80s... Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Hogan even used stare like yeah, '80s. There was no like knowledge Stallone of it that was it was like bad, big and buff, like just mm-hmm. like Schwarzenegger was, like. So 
Yep. Apparently, right around this time period is where that started. 82, it's starting, you know. Yep. Cocaine and steroids. Yep. Babies um, in a nutshell. It's a fabulous training montage in this movie. I think it's one of the best of the series. I love it. I know why you love it. Short, Almost as much as you love shorts. Top Gun. <laughs> but, short shorts. Yeah, but uh, uh, it's just, as a kid, like... Uh, is this the one where Adrian couldn't go to the fight because she was home with the baby? Yeah. Yeah, this she is had to a watch sexist it on TV. movie. <laughs> no, it's because she was filming something else at the time, so they had to like ride her out of the inn like, while yeah, she's down at the yeah. ringside. She was at home with the baby and couldn't watch the fight, <laughs> so she had to watch it on TV. And then earlier, uh, Clubber attacks her in public I instead. I would say verbally attacks. Verbally attacks. <laughs> Mr. T would never hit a woman. His mother would <laughs> kill him. He might. No, he, no, no. I got some info on that when you took trivia. I know. Trivia. Well, anyway, what he says to her is so sexist and rude and gross and horrible. And You sound like Mr. T's mother. <laughs> and Stallone has to like fight for her honor now because violence He's, solves everything. No, because uh, let me tell you why you're married. And Melissa, too, if she ever listens to this podcast. Jesse's wife. <sighs> <laughs> Y'all are so lucky to be married to kids, to men who grew up in the 80s, because when someone insults our wife... We don't waste any time. We'll kick their ass. Our wives. You're not sharing a wife. Of course not. <laughs> Jesse, she's on to us. <laughs> but anyway, uh, some of the, uh, like I kind of mentioned, some of the behind the scenes type stuff. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it is Mr. T's film debut. And according to an interview with the man himself, Mr. T, whose cereal was amazing back in the day, <laughs> and they were shaped like little T's, which, of course, my name's Trey, so like, oh, I'm right. eating Mr. T, too. I'm eating T's. All right, well, now I have to find that. No, they don't make it anymore. I wish they did. One of the best cereals oh, sure of find all it time. On eBay. I'm sure yeah. they're still good. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, that were made you 30 years ago. Like, uh, let me tell you let me, about cereal. <laughs> let me, quick aside. I was Please in, my, in our friend, my friend Larry's, he had a gravel driveway. I found a rock one time, like, just, like, that's a very odd-looking rock. It was a piece of Captain Crunch that had become petrified. Oh, my god! I'm not even joking. I was like, it was the exact size, the exact little striations on it or whatever. I'm like, this looks just like a piece of Captain Crunch. I went home Did and put a it? piece of Captain Crunch next to it. It was a... He had e- to investigate. No, no. Captain Crunch is probably one of my all-time favorite cereals. It's definitely in the top five. Maybe Except even top it three. it ruins the top of your mouth. I, I, yeah, I don't know how you're eating your Captain Crunch, but mine never got to the top of my mouth because oh, it went to my molars no, down Google my throat. It. Everyone says it shreds the top of your mouth. Mine didn't. I mean, I'm, me. I'm just saying I might have a tough mouth. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. I never. I don't have any memory of that. That's all I'm telling you. But anyway, I'm not buying any I, to prove it. My, I'd love some. I'm hungry for I'm Captain Crunch it. now. But anyway, I put it like either God made a rock that looks exa- literally a rock copy. Of a, a piece of Captain copy. Crunch. <laughs> Captain Crunch. It. No, I didn't try that. Lick it. I, it, it's since been lost to time. <laughs> but I put it oh, next to okay. a piece of Captain I Crunch and it was. Ex- <laughs> I wish I did too, because I would literally find a way to test it to prove this theory. Like, Just burn it, that's all. That's a good idea. No. Of course, at the time, it did <laughs> at not the occur. Time, he wasn't allowed to play with fire. <laughs> okay. Oh, after the G.I. Joes were decimated by the Black Cat Army. Yeah. Fire wasn't, you know, readily available in the eighties to kids like today and stuff. <laughs> oh. There's an app on your phone that can okay. like light shit on fire now, you know? I mean no. that's a joke, Autumn. <laughs> but anyway. Uh but during the scene that you were mentioning where he yells at Adrian. Yeah. Mr. Where T he's brought being his a sexist monster. Yes. Mr. T we would be reading the words in the script, he brought his mother to the premiere. And at that point in the movie, his mother looked over at him and said, quote, according to Mr. T, I did not raise you to talk to a lady like that. 
She then stormed out of the theater mid-premiere. And if you happen to watch the WWE Hall of Fame last year, when Mr. T was inducted, he spent 45 minutes talking about how people should love their mothers. <laughs> so he, he's a big advocate of... You mother should, loving. You, you, sh- you should love your mother. It's like, hey, I'm Mr. T. And I'm Norman Bates. <laughs> and we're here to tell you to always love your mother. <laughs> but uh, Rocky Three is actually Carl Weathers, a.k.a. Apollo Creed's favorite film in the series because... Because he was buff. Well, because he got a little more screen time in <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, he and it, he's right. Uh, his exact quote is that it kind of humanized Apollo Creed. It's because in one and two, you just see him as talking bullshit, you know, like Apollo, like Muhammad. His inspiration, the inspiration for the character Muhammad Ali, talking trash. I liked him in the first two. I love. I lo- he's a great character, <laughs> yeah. which is uh, when we next up we can talk like about the upcoming Rocky like, film. He's a he's a full character. He's not yeah. like a caricature like Clubber Lang was. Yeah. Well, Clubber was just meant to be. Um, just yeah. They need. They needed. They a, needed someone. This is to the part up. where they needed a villain. Yeah. We can't fight Apollo again. We need somebody new. So, but oh. Apollo was a full character. I liked him. Exactly. And he has a complete arc in the entire series, which is yeah. awesome. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he had like a wife and stuff. Like you saw him as a, a complete yeah. person. And all that. Uh, the, uh, the actual theme song for this film wasn't originally Eye of the Tiger. It was another 80s classic from another movie. Would you care to guess? The He-Man theme song. Yeah, because that makes sense. <laughs> no, what? The original song that was meant to go... Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now. <laughs> <laughs> that was for Top Gun, babe. Uh, the original theme song for the film, You're the Best by Joe Esposito. Ah. Which was, in, which was not used in this film, but then used in The Karate Kid. How does that one go? Wow. You're the best around. No one's gonna ever keep you down. Did they sing that on Sunny? I'm sure they did. There was some. <laughs> <laughs> they do a lot of like great '80s stuff on Sunny, always yeah. Sunny in Philadelphia. But anyway, could you imagine if that was a theme song for this film, and then Eye of the Tiger was in Karate Kid? <laughs> that would change the yeah. entire feel of the film. Daniel, son, you must have Eye of Tiger. Bam, 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 bam. I don't know. I'm sure there's a YouTube video of that. But anyway, uh, it worked. It worked out good because, of course, as repeated several times in this film. Come on, Stalin, you gotta find the eye of the tiger. Eye of the tiger, Stalin, eye of the tiger. That's the boxing term for being able to beat Clubber Lang, is that you have to find the eye of the tiger. Oh, so it doesn't really apply to any other movie then? Well, I'm sure once they decided <laughs> on that song, they didn't said, let's throw it in there. Yeah. Like, that's because it fits. I was just kidding. I know you were. You said Clubber Lang specifically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, going to what you said about steroids, DeLone yeah. has said that his body fat at, this, at the filming of this film was 2.8%. Which is like almost Bruce Lee levels. That's insane. Yeah. Well, steroids a hell of a drug. Yeah. Uh, okay, we all know that nowadays there is the statue of Rocky in Philly where you can go run up the steps and then go down, back down the steps and take a picture with the statue of Rocky. Oh, yeah. Uh, original, the statue in the film that he's standing in front of when Clubber Lang disses his wife mm-hmm. uh, is a nine foot tall, 1,500 pound bronze statue. That now uh, stays at his house. No. <laughs> <laughs> he dresses it like a butler and stands by the door, and that's where you put your keys. I have to read now. Be <laughs> no, he's but holding a tray. High. He's holding a tray. No, his arms are raised in victory. The statue, <laughs> right, well. You'd have to have a 10 foot tall ladder to get to the top of the. <laughs> Let me get my keys before I go outside, you know? Put it in his back pocket. That's where you put your keys. <laughs> it's a statue. You dress it like a butler. Okay. And then you put oh, okay, your keys okay, in okay, okay. So. 
A statue. I'm getting that, one. I don't know where a statue that is one. smelted to a base. How do you put its fucking pants on, Autumn? Well, remember when Adidas made the tearaway pants? These weren't around the eighties. <laughs> no, but I'm saying the statue's at his house now. He can dress it however he wants. It's 2015. He can have tearaway pants if he wants. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't agree with that statement, but if you want to go with that, you can uh, support tearaway pants all you want. We could stitch two, stitch them together. Just two patterns. Yeah, like of pants I don't and... think. Stallone has time for that shit. <laughs> he can hire someone to do it. He doesn't literally have to do it himself. I really don't think that's a high priority for him. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, uh. I what? need. Bridgie, a... why don't you stitch my fucking pants on a statue, you know? <laughs> I gotta I, I, I put my keys somewhere, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting one. Okay. okay. I, I couldn't have, you know, a fucking R2D2 or Darth Vader life size thing, but oh, she can get a Rocky statue. I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a real big double standard we got here. It doesn't have to be Rocky. I'm just thinking that would be funny. Yeah. Oh, it'd be real funny, too, to have a giant Jaws, you know, themed bathroom. But can't have that in my house, can I? We can have a Jaws butler by the front door to take our Oh, keys. you mean a land shark that every time somebody opens the door? No, it's inanimate, but that's where you can put No, I want a rig to where they open the door and the land shark just comes out and You're getting way off topic here. But hey, sharks are never off topic on this podcast. <laughs> sharks are always on top. Sharks are always good. But anyway... Uh, after the filming of the rap, Stallone tried to donate the statue to the uh, Philadelphia Museum of Art. They're like, uh, nah, it's a movie prop. We don't want it. Which, of course, at the time, they didn't know what they had. But post-mortem, or not post- uh, After the statue died. <laughs> after the statue passed away in 1986 due to a heart attack, uh, was ultimately placed in front of the Wachovia Spectrum in South Philly. It was later returned to the Art Museum for the filming of Rocky V, which you should not watch. Just skip it. It doesn't exist. After which it was again moved to the front of the spectrum, but uh, then it was put in the storage. But now it is currently in a park at the foot of the famous stairs leading up to the Museum of Art. So that's why when you run up the stairs, you're not going to see the statue up there. It's at the bottom of the stairs. I thought that was a library. I didn't realize it was a museum. Remember we talked about that when we were watching it because it had all, when we watched Balboa because they had it in the background. They showed a lot, the the the, during the credits of Rocky Balboa, they show all these like people that go there and run up the stairs and you know, cheer, which I would do if I went there, bar none. Really? Like, it's totally a thing to do. You're supposed to. Exactly. But they showed the different exhibits at the museum. I kept saying, oh, look, this must have been done on the same day because they kept showing the same banners in the background. Yeah. Like, the, you know, length of time for an exhibit. But anyway, that's a little story of the statue. Uh, this is really funny because we're living, by the time this movie's out, we're in a post-Star Wars environment. So it's the age of movie marketing with, uh, you know, tie-ins and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning of the film, when they're showing the collage of the montage of Rocky winning, they show like the Rocky shirts, posters, all this stuff. That's actually real memorabilia from the previous Rocky films of Stallone that they just basically put up a merch just booth like and filmed in it. Spaceballs. Exactly. Well, that, that that's that's <laughs> what that's parroting is that George Lucas practically. Oh, I'm aware. That. I'm sure you are, but there might be some listeners out there. Oh, just a good couple. Point. <laughs> just a couple, because we have a very smart listener base of 14 people. That m- I would wager that 99 percent of them knew that. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, as I mentioned kind of earlier, uh, with the first two Rockies, uh, Stallone incorporated some biographical stuff. Uh, with this one, he chose to focus on the unreal, quote, unreal aspects of Rocky's life and how out of touch he has become with, quote, unquote, normality. Uh, he, at this point of, uh, the, fi- of the film, at the, at the time this film came out, I should say, Stallone was kind of at the height of his fame. And much of the over-the-top celebrity exposure that he experienced in the movie as Rocky was based on experiences that he himself actually had in real life, but of course adapted to be about boxing and not any kind of film technique or actor's method or whatever. Uh, 
And also, it should be noted in this film, you know, like we mentioned, they're all basically the same film, just different people he's fighting. They all they all be, usually begin with a mo- not the first one, but most of them begin with a montage and end with a boxing match that goes down to the wire again before with a boxing match yes, again after that, because yeah. they exactly. show you <coughs> fight again. You know, I mean, it's an '80s staple. I mean, every Friday the Thirteenth practically shows the last five minutes. Really, and then most of them, at least one through four or two through four, does I believe, maybe even five. Sure. But anyway, that's another topic for Halloween. Uh, but the rematch of Cobra Lang at the end of this film is the last time in the series that Rocky fights for the title. In Rocky IV, he doesn't fight for the title. Yeah. And none of the other ones, he doesn't fight for the title. This is the last title defense of Rocky Balboa cinematically. So, that's notable. Uh, and actually right, actually, right now on the screen, Jesse was just playing the wrestling match with uh, Hogan, Hulk Hogan, a.k.a. Thunderlips. Worst wrestling name ever. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I was actually listening to... Uh, Chris Jericho has a podcast, and he was interviewing Hulk Hogan, and they talked about how Hogan got cast in this movie. And at the time this movie came out, Vince McMahon Sr. was still running WWF at the time. Mm. And basically, he fired Hulk Hogan for being in this movie. Of course, he hired him back uh, later. But the reason uh, that was at the time was, uh, if for wrestling fans out there, you know what I'm talking about, but kayfabe, that's what they call like the fake interaction. Like if The Rock and Stone Cold are hating each other, uh, you know, and they're in the airport together. They don't want to be seen having a beer because then they're breaking kayfabe. Mm. They're breaking character, so to speak. But in that industry, it's called kayfabe. And I always wonder how to pronounce it because it's spelled K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. But then on the hmm. on Stone Cold's podcast and Jericho, they say that. So I'm like, oh, that's how you actually pronounce that word. I was saying uh, kayfabe, yeah. kayfab, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but yeah, Hogan actually took this role, did this movie, came back to work to go wrestle. Oh, uh, you're fired. So then he went to wrestle in Japan for a while. And then eventually, of course, Vince Jr., I believe, actually was you know, the current the traditional Mr. McMahon that we're all familiar with, hired him back uh, after he kind of was assuming direct control of the company and making it a billion-dollar industry. So, yeah. But this was the start of both Mr. T and Hulk Hogan's film careers in the same movie. Hmm. Although they never share a scene together. You know, that'll be the ultimate... They, they did share a scene on the grandest stage of all, WrestleMania 1, I believe. Mr. Er, yeah, it was WrestleMania 1, Mr. T and... Hogan oh, teamed yeah, up. Yeah, coming up. So, yeah. Uh, Score-wise on this one, to me, every movie in this series is is excellent. Of course, they don't never reach the peak of the first one, but we'll talk about a wrap-up next episode. But uh, to me, this one's still an eight. Watching it today, it was still enjoyable. Still tugs at your heartstrings when Mickey you know, passes away. And then, of course, my wife was very interested in the montage, yeah. the training montage. It's always her, seems to be her favorite parts of movies such as this. It was a good one. I, I noticed the slight <laughs> drool down right your there. chin as you were right there. Uh, she's watching right. the cro- uh, Jesse almost paused it on the most inappropriate moment for me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, still a- <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere yeah, in there. It's right is there. What? It's, it's right there. <laughs> Watch it yourself, people, and yes. make your own judgment. Uh, in the real world, of course, this movie released. <laughs> there's a. A, there's a Creed cock on my screen. Uh, but anyway, in the real world, May 28th, 1982, two days later, Cal Ripken Jr., legendary shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles, played his first game, major league game, of what would, in, would be a streak of 2,632 major league baseball games in a row without missing one. That hmm. would be hell for me to have to even watch Right, 2,632 baseball games because baseball should be four innings max. And then you have a fifth inning tiebreaker if needed. Otherwise, it's a draw. Everybody goes home, belly full of beer and a few hot dogs. Nine innings. Can't do it. 
I remember my f- the first time I went to a, a real baseball game, not a major league, but LSU. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I played Little League, but we played like, you know, you basically played an hour. Right. And then that was it. That was game. And the next you know. two teams come on. Exactly. <laughs> and we went to the LSU game, and they it was I was I want to say maybe in fourth or fifth grade, and it was it was we went to, the team went to a game, but it was the same night as like a pool party, like a school party, like you know big deal, like oh it's a, it's a pool party, the girls are gonna be there, and there's some I can't party. wait, uh, can't wait to go, and then like I'm like God, this game is like like the party started, and like <laughs> they're on the f- fourth inning, I'm like oh God, and then like basically by the time I got to the party after the stupid fucking LSU game. There was like four people there, and I literally walked and like just saw some people like, "Hey, what's up? Yeah, cool. Okay, bye." And <laughs> left. party's over. Totally bummed me out. And that's that's not, that's not the reason I hate baseball games. They are too long. Period. It doesn't help. Yeah, nine, nine innings is way too long. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Nine innings, too much. Meh. <laughs> uh, that's your entire thought on baseball. Uh huh. I, I I agree. I'm not disputing it. Rather watch, in fact, the course it takes to watch one baseball game, you can pretty much much watch every Rocky movie. Still better time spent, except five, than <laughs> watching some people swing a bat and a ball. It's just not exciting. But that would be something more relevant to if Daniel was in this chair and not uh, my yes. lovely wife. So that's enough of that. But anyway, uh, back to the future this week. I have discovered the most epic 80s audio montage in the history of 80s audio montages. Uh, if you just go Google uh, Blood Brothers, Mad Decent, M-A-D-E-C-E-N-T, not Descent, but Decent, uh, it's basically a mashup or a uh, mix of a whole bunch of 80s theme songs and audio clips into one 20-minute track. It is the best workout song ever. There's three of them. The first two are great. The third one has a little more uh, random, not random, but uh, less well-known movies. But the first one's got like Karate Kid. Uh, Just the first one? Yeah. Yeah, the first one is Blood Brothers First Blood, and then there's <coughs> Blood Brothers 2. I forget the little subtitle, but it's all like, it's all 80-centric of some of the greatest 80 songs ever, including multiple songs by Stan Bush. Uh, if you don't know who that is, then you probably were not, you know, know what we're even talking about because... The greatest 80s musician of all time is Stan Bush. 24 tracks. You don't know who Stan Bush is? No. I know you were super proud of yourself for finding this and then played it on repeat constantly. No, no, no. It wasn't on repeat. I think it is such a pain in the ass and I find it super annoying now. (laughs) That's 24 different tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh And it wasn't. Maybe I wasn't wasn't playing it. And over. No. If I could get a word in, this is is how my life is at home. You see what I deal with, people? Baby, it's 20 minutes long. It was the same track, not on repeat. Well, there you go. For a week. It sounds the same for 20 minutes. No, it doesn't. It sounds very different. Over But it's and got over the final countdown. Over. It's got uh, Never Surrender. It's got uh, the theme, uh, Rocky IV, uh, Iron Eagle, uh, Now You're a Man from Orgasmo. It's great. Just uh, Google it and give it a listen. It's, it's, it, it, don't listen to my wife because she doesn't have any balls. Thank God. <laughs> this is for dudes. Yeah. If you're a dude and you like it, I guess it's okay. Uh, yeah, there's there's no there's nothing not to like <laughs> about it. It's the greatest. I don't like it. It's the greatest songs from the '80s in one mix. I probably haven't even seen half this. Movie. I know, I know, and that's going to change. <laughs> oh God. In fact, you you've seen a lot of of, of the ones in this. You've seen a lot of. A them. lot of them aren't even '80s movies. 
Yeah, so, well, I mean, Wet Hot like, American Summer, that was 90s. South yeah. Park stuff, that's South Park. Orgasmo, also 90s. You know what I mean? Or actually 2000, actually. Yeah, but it's got a lot. See, that's from Wet Hot American Summer that we're listening to right now. Mm-hmm. Which is coming back on yep. Netflix. It sure is. Um, but it's great. There's three different ones of these. They're all around 20 minutes long. They're the ultimate audio montage of 80s music. And, of course, some other stuff. But it's all yeah, about... Yeah, Last uh, Dragon, that was 90s. It's all... Uh, relevant to the sound of the song because you know right. like, now you're a man from orgasmo is a is basically meaning to be an 80s montage song basically or not a montage song but a feel-good song because the montage song is the montage song which is in i think the second one of these where they actually play the uh, south park and team america montage song but give them a listen give them a download if you're my if, if you're a woman you, you might not like it but there's some girls out there that love music like this my wife notwithstanding <laughs> But they're great. Give them a listen. That's on Back to the Future for this week. If you need to reach us in the meantime, agevisit at gmail.com. Awesome Pods on Facebook. Awesome Pods on Twitter. Don't forget there's other shows in the Awesome Podcast Network, such as Geekly Dose, Duo Attack, the Jesse Sedgley Podcast, Why Don't You Know This, Republic City Report, and always a shout-out to our good friends over at Now vs. Nostalgia. They recently did a Top 10 80s TV show episode, which was really good and reminded me of shows that I haven't thought of since I was, you know, a child. The child. Sleeping in bunk beds. I was trying to think of some sort of <laughs> reference to, to drive home the age. I was going to say wet the bed, but that's not... That's like way... Eating Captain little. Crunch out of driveways? I didn't eat it out of the driveway. <laughs> see, how, see how my wife twists my words? Audio sure. audio evidence. That's what this whole... I lured you here to get you to talk on this so I could catch you in audit, auditory lies and have evidence. How you twist my words. So next time you say, I don't do stuff like that. Aha! Episode 104 of 80s Revisited, I believe. 110. You and ten, yes. <laughs> Technically one oh four. As far as movies go. But anyway. Oh right, right. Yeah. I can't wait till you randomly say, I never break into fake British accents for no reason. I would never say that because <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs> Constantly. I'm just randomly talking and all of a sudden, oh, hey, hey, what are we gonna do tonight? Hey, you wanna go to the Londoner? Oh, let's go get some fish and chips, eh? <laughs> Sometimes it's an Australian. Sometimes it's Russian. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, just because you're not very good at acting. No, it's because we're American and names don't mean shit. Because we're a blending pot of everything. We're a blending pot. Yes. Is that similar oh, to a melting pot? Is that pot? similar? I knew this was gonna happen because the semantics my wife plays on me every day of my life. Are they in the same family? No. You see, baby, you, you claim to be Native American, distantly, even though she looks like an Irishman on a <laughs> on a white beach, as in you can't see her. <laughs> but. Uh, a blending pot is actually an artistic tool used to blend your colors. It almost looks like a uh, soy sauce tray. <coughs> is that a real thing? Yes. It's you, ha- you know, like a, 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 a palette, mm-hmm. an artist palette. It's a little cup that can sit if you want to blend your colors but not smear them too much. If you want to keep like a different, or if you're not painting on a palette but more so. I thing. did not know that. I use paper yeah. plates. See? They're cheap. Yeah. <laughs> a paper plate would be a cheap blending pot. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, everybody, enough of the the marital troubles of my life being broadcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. But uh, anyway. This is the pre-divorce podcast. <laughs> yeah, next week it's going to be all sad. Like, <laughs> hey guys, uh, not really too chipper this week. Uh, divorce papers came in and she got everything. She got- I'm uh, living here with Jesse now in the studio. That's sweet. It's, it's very nice. I, I clean up for him. I keep it nice in here. And take care of his dogs. But anyway. But next week, everybody, we continue this Rocky saga as we venture, and as I mentioned before, into literally, in my opinion, the one movie that sums up the entire decade of the 80s. 
Rocky Four. So until next week, everybody, y'all, you know, y'all, y'all be safe and everything. Cowabunga, you know. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.